Hello and welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D Brown CEO. Joining me on the show today is Donald Morton, the Chief Visionary Officer of the Remand Project. Donald, welcome to the program. Man, thank you for having me. I'm like a kid at Christmas. I've been waiting on this. <laughs> look, look, the pleasure is all mine. Hey, so we got a lot of ground to cover, but I want to just jump in by just kind of starting with your childhood. You know, where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? I grew up in a small town uh, called Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, Delaware is probably one of the smallest states in the union, but I grew up there Um my mother and father were married for 10 years. Uh, my dad dies of chronic alcoholism early in my life. My mom uh, uh, died recently uh, at 85 years old. And so I'm the product of a two-parent household, but a dysfunctional two-parent household. So uh, how did that impact your childhood? Uh, significantly, but you don't really know that it impacts you until much later in life in the ways that it shows up uh, in how you do business, how you do relationships in your personal life, how you handle finances. And so, you know, watching my mother and father uh, uh, fight every weekend, watching my father uh, literally die of chronic alcoholism, uh, watching my mom, who was a pastor, try to uh, make sure that she made it work with my dad until it doesn't work anymore. Uh, it's an incredibly difficult thing to be able to witness. And you don't really know uh, that it's going to show up in you in a much later time in life. And so I'm able to connect the dots now. But at that time, it was just the norm, just the normal experience of of a family. So uh, what was school like high school? Uh, what was that like growing up in Delaware? I went uh, to uh, a high school called Howard Career Center. It is actually named after uh, Howard University. I don't know which one comes first, uh, Howard University or Howard High School, uh, but I went to Howard Career Center or Howard High School, uh, graduated fifth of my class. My mom made sure uh, that grades were important, that education was important. Uh, gone are the days where you could bring home a B or a C. Yeah, uh, I got a spanking if I got a B or a C. Uh, and it kind of set the path for my love for education, but also the importance of knowledge in uh, the growth process of any black male. Uh, education becomes monumentally important. And so yeah. high school was great for me. Um, elementary school was great for me. Middle school was great for me. But high school in particular was great for me. What was the biggest challenge you had growing up in uh, Delaware? I think the biggest challenge is growing up with a dad and at the same time without a dad. Yeah. Right. So so it's, it's one thing for your parent to be physically absent. It's another thing for your parent to be physically present, but emotionally absent. Yeah. I always tell people that my father left me three times. He left me uh, emotionally the first time because he just couldn't connect emotionally. He didn't know how to connect emotionally. And then, then he and my mother decided that they would separate uh, after years of a tumultuous kind of relationship. And he leaves and he moves from Delaware to Long Beach, California. In the little boy's mind, you can't go any further right. away from Delaware than Long Beach, California. So he left me physically. Right. And then uh, 
he and my mother decide that they're going to get back together. They're going to reunite. They're going to bring the family back together. I'll never forget it. My mom sat me down, said me and your dad are going to work it out. And then I come home from school and uh, I was supposed to go to the movies with my mom that day. And she says, son, I've got to talk with you. I said, yes, ma'am. Uh, she said, I've got some bad news. And I said, we're not going to the movies because, that, you know, as a little boy, that's right. all I cared about. Right. And she said, yeah, we're not going to the movies, but your dad died. So so at that time, I'm angry. Yeah. You, you, you're not present emotionally when you are present physically. Then you leave me geographically and you move across the country. And then when you decide that you're going to come back together, you die on me. So that's the trauma of a little boy who watched his father disconnect, not intentionally, yeah. but unintentionally, three separate times in his life. And that helped to shape the man or the young man that I had uh, become a little later on. And so how do, um, you know, having these experiences impact you currently or throughout your adult life? You know what I discovered? I discovered that I was one of millions of black men who had the same story. I, I didn't begin the Remand Project because uh, I had a desire to lead men into any greater version of themselves. I began the Remand Project understanding that I was in crisis, uh, that I had experienced bankruptcy. I had experienced lost relationship and failed relationship after failed relationship. And so the way that my father and mom uh, kind of played out their relationship played out in my adult life as a as a young boy. Uh, and so uh, the way that I view relationships, the way that I treated relationships, the way that I treated money, all of those kinds of things play out later on. And what I discovered is that I wasn't the only one, uh, that there were countless brothers who were just like me, but never had an opportunity and platform to be able to voice it, to be able to get it right, to transform into the man uh, that they genuinely wanted to be. And so that is really where the vision of the Remand Project begins. It begins out of a personal crisis. It doesn't begin out of any grandiose ideas of what I could do for other brothers. It began with an understanding that I was in trouble. And if I was in trouble, there were countless other men that were experiencing the same kind of trouble. Right. And we're going to talk more about the uh, Remand Project uh, throughout the show. But I do want to ask you uh, just really more about your early life. So after leaving high school, you know, how, what was your kind of educational journey like from there? Yeah, I went into the military. Okay. Uh, funny story, man. Uh, not so funny. I'm still triggered by it. Right. So I went into the military. The first branch of the military that I went into was the United States Marine Corps. Uh, I went into the Marine Corps uh, because I love their sense of discipline. I love the uniforms, uh, but I couldn't swim. And so I, I went into the <laughs> I went into the organization and the military organization that required you to be able to swim. But <laughs> yeah. a part of what they did is they were hungry for uh, recruits. And so I sat down with them, my mom and I, and said, hey, uh, I, I cannot swim. And they said, oh, you don't don't worry about that. It's fine. You don't have to pass any swim qualification. Well, I went to Paris Island, South Carolina, and I put my feet on the golden footprints of Paris Island, South Carolina. And on the next day, they said 0800 swim qual. 
<laughs> so I raised my hand and I said, uh, sir. And they said, what? They called me a bunch of names. <laughs> yeah. And they said, what? And I said, my recruiter said, and they bust out laughing. You listen to your recruiter, you <laughs> dummy. Right. And so so I, I, I went all throughout the 12 weeks of basic training. I think it was 12 weeks at that time, basic training only not to be able to pass the swim qualifications, left the United States Marine Corps, and three months later went into the United States Army where I graduate top of my class, soldier of the cycle, and a 91 Delta, which at that time was a surgical tech. So I was a part of a MASH unit. I was the guy that handed the instruments to the surgeon that was doing surgery. So, so that was a part of really what my education was like uh, and I, I've got degrees in theology and things of that nature, yeah. but the, the military helped to shape me. And so what type of, uh, I guess, experience that you gained from the military that's actually helped you professionally in your in your business career? A profound sense of discipline. Every, everything is done by the numbers and by the book. Uh, and a part of what they drill into you in, in the military is that when you show up late or when you don't do something as simple as make your bunk or you, 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 you know, you do something that is outside of what they have prescribed for you to do, that it's not just your life on the line, it's the life of others on the line. Right. So, so for me, how I would grow to become the man that I am today was based on that sense and that idea, uh, that Ubuntu idea that I am because he is or I am or he is because I am this sense that at the end of the day, how I show up in life impacts him and how he shows up in life impacts me. That helped to shape who I am as a man and my respect for other brothers uh, in this world as well. So you describe yourself as a social entrepreneur. Uh, so for my viewers, tell us what is a social entrepreneur? And then secondly, uh, why you describe yourself as one and why are you so passionate about social entrepreneurship? Yes, being a social entrepreneur is simply uh, a guy who starts business with uh, one of its purposes at its core is to provide social change. And so uh, I am also uh, the founder of an earlier organization called the Complexities of Color Coalition, which was designed to bring all facets of black life together uh, so that our families could be better, our community could be better. We brought politicians together, uh, entrepreneurs together, uh, members of the just the general family together to make sure that we bring, we had these brainstorming ideas around how we could bring change to a small town called Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, that's always been my call. Uh, I am a second generation pastor. My mom did the same work. And so I followed in my mom's footsteps to do that work. I think it's important that every business owner, every entrepreneur have a social element to the work that they do because our communities are in trouble. It can't just be about 
us making as much money as we need to make. It also has to be about the transformation that our communities and our culture needs to experience if it's going to survive. And so uh, now the Remand Project, then the complexities of color and other things that I've done, simply not just to make a living, but to make a difference is the reason why social change and being a social entrepreneur has been my call since the very beginning. Now, very, very interesting. Uh, I sound I feel like I was listening to myself talk for a while. Uh, I, I talk about social entrepreneurship you know, all the time because, you know, it, it doesn't to get up and, you know, every day and, and, and your only purpose is to make money. Uh, I just think that's kind of a, a empty, uh, empty kind of life to live. Uh, but being able to uh, impact communities and, and change the landscape of communities, I think, is is, is pretty, pretty important. Uh, I, you know, I'm a real estate developer, but, you know, I always tell people that I, the projects that I develop change communities, change the trajectory of uh, individual lives. And and so we develop social infrastructure, you know, so, you know, facilities that are that are utilized by the public and to benefit the public. So that's that's very intriguing. How has your uh, religion and your, your religious belief uh, impacted the way that you um, live your life, but also uh, operate your, your your business enterprises? Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, um, I am a follower, at least, uh, at, at the very least, I'm a follower of the Black Liberation Theology Movement, right, which, which believes that at the end of the day, the Gospels and the Bible was written for the purposes of liberation, the purposes of, uh, of making sure that those that are left out, less, less fortunate, those that are most marginalized in our communities have a second chance and an exodus strategy from the challenges of what it looks like to live here in America on a daily basis. And so... Um, uh, my mother is also or was also uh, a proponent of that theology. Uh, Dr. Jeremiah Wright and others uh, were and are proponents of that theology. And so for me, uh, that shaped how I really view uh, my responsibility uh, in the religious sphere. So Matthew 25, uh, when he was hungry, you, you gave him something to eat when he was in prison. You went to go see about him. I believe that that is the responsibility of every person that follows Jesus Christ. So so that is my context. That's the construct from which I not, not only minister, but it's the context and construct from which I approach any work that I do uh, that I attempt to please God with is through uh, liberation theology. So I know you you've had a number of projects um, that you've seen. So uh, and we're going to definitely talk about the remand project uh, here shortly. But talk about some other projects that you're extremely uh, proud of. Yeah, you, you know, um, I I do my best. Uh, you know, we've done some we've done some work to uh, repeal uh, the death penalty in Delaware. Uh, which was an important work that we did with Brian Stevenson uh, in in Delaware. Uh, he is also the where the movie Just Mercy is built around. Um, that work was was important to me because a great percentage of the people that are on death row were black males, black and Hispanic males. So it became important. Uh, 
that that we understood that there was a responsibility that we had to that marginalized community, not to abdicate their responsibility for what they had done. But many of them <clears throat> had not actually done the crime. Yeah. Uh, but because they didn't have money, because they didn't have proper representation as it relates to an attorney, uh, they end up getting uh, sentences that are longer and uh, sentences <clears throat> that would cause them to sit on death row. And so I, I think out of all of the work that I've done, the projects that I've had, that probably is the singular most important work. Yeah. Because I think we got an opportunity to really address something that others had not addressed, even on a federal level. And Delaware was one of the first uh, states to be able to repeal the death penalty. We're really, really proud of that. So I know you you described your motivation uh, and reasoning for uh, starting the remand project. But just give us more detail about uh, that project and what, you, what, what type of work you're doing there. So here's what we do. We are an organization that helps black men uh, interrupt patterns and disrupt behaviors and break these vicious, vicious, nasty cycles of mispotential so that that man can transform his own life, his own sense of leadership to his family and his own sense of legacy with business and culture. Um, we do that on two fronts though, because we are at, his, at our core, at our heart, really a cognitive development and character building organization. We believe that the character of an individual is important. So we address and hold accountable individual black males to show up as the highest and best versions of themselves. But we also believe that the character of institutions are important and that our responsibility is to push on the character of those institutions, whether that's government institutions, whether those are employers, uh, to make sure that they understand uh, that they have a responsibility to a certain level of character as well. Uh, there is a, um, a profound connection between character and success. You don't reach success in any way that is long lasting unless and until you develop character. And character is not just my ability to tell the truth. It's not just integrity. Character, by Dr. Henry Cloud's definition, is the expanded capacity to meet, to face, and to overcome the adverse realities that come in everyday life. You hear people talk about EQ and you hear people talk about IQ, very few people talk about AQ. AQ is the adversity quotient developed by Dr. Paul Stoltz. So what we found is that if I can help institutions and individuals expand their capacity to be resilient in the face of the adverse realities that come with everyday life, then success is inevitable. It's not the smartest person that wins. It's not the most emotionally intelligent person that wins, but the science has proven, the data has proven, the one that is most resilient, the one that can get up after having fallen, that's the individual that will win every single time. Right, so are there some uh, st uh, story of some individuals that may have, uh been part of your, your project that you've helped change their lives that you can share with our uh, viewers here? Yeah, uh, and we, we run the gamut. We run the gamut from uh, business owners that come to us because they wanna make sure that their businesses um, are solid. And then we have individuals that come to us because their marriages are in trouble. And then we come to, 
the, uh, there are individuals that come to us because their personal lives are in trouble. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about a brother uh, whose initials are N.D. Okay. Uh, that brother came because his marriage was in trouble. He was on the brink of divorce. Uh, usually when I meet with guys, it's funny when I meet with guys, I'll ask them, how's your family doing? How's your marriage doing? And I ask them to give me on a scale of one to 10, tell me where your marriage falls. And a brother will always say, it's about a seven. It's about an eight. We're doing okay. And then I talk with wifey. And when I talk with wifey, wifey says, no, we're about a three. There's always a four point gap between where a man says his marriage and family is and where a wife says uh, her family is. And so uh, he is in his second year of the program. And now we did a reassessment. I asked him and his wife, uh, where's your marriage now? He said, it is a seven now. So I talked to white, his wife and I said, where's your marriage? He said, it's as a solid seven on its way to an eight. When you talk about that level of transformation, a yeah. guy who was on his way to divorce to a guy who is now leading his family, loving his wife, raising his kids because of the tools that he gained from the Remand Project, that's a win for us. That is quintessentially what it means for us to be a social entrepreneur. Right. So you, you talked about uh, your relationship with your mom. Uh, just just tell me what type of uh, influence does she have in your life overall? Oh, man, I, I'm going I'm to do this without crying, man. She just passed away yeah. on February the 4th of this year, and uh, I miss her like crazy. My mom was probably the most compassionate, humble woman that you would ever meet in your life. Um, and what's funny is I talked with a friend of mine, his name is, uh, Dr. Michael Fisher. I talked with him recently. He lost his mom as well. And I said, man, which is he lost his mom and he lost his dad within a year of one another. And I said, I don't want to be insensitive, man, but kind of tell me, uh, which one was most difficult. And he said, he said, Donald losing my mom was most difficult because they always told us they would always be there. And it wasn't true, right? They they would always want to be there, but they weren't always there. So uh, now uh, what I've learned from my mom is she had impeccable integrity. Her life was orderly. She handled her business uh, in the way that uh, a grown person would handle their business. And she did it without violating a bunch of people on her way to success. She was the first a female pastor, the pastor of Baptist Church in Delaware, the first woman bishop in the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship, the first chaplain of the fire department being known as deputy chief. She had a lot of firsts. And so the way that I attempt to honor her is to be uh, the first to make sure that adult black males are solid, that we are leading our families in the way that we should, that we are developing businesses and that we're taking care of our personal lives in the way that would be honorable between or before God and men. And so shout out to uh, Bishop Aretha Morton. That's my precious. I love me some Aretha Morton. <laughs> so uh, tell me what accomplishment are you most proud of? I think uh, what I'm most proud of, ironically, is my ability to to get up again. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, guys give up when life hits. 
So again, as I've stated, I've I've gone through bankruptcy. I've gone through divorce. Um, I've gone through prostate cancer at 45 years old. Uh, I am now almost nine years uh, cancer free. Uh, I'm in a loving relationship. Um, My money is is not funny anymore. Why? Because I didn't give up. So I think what is what I'm most proud of is not just the level of brilliance uh, that you get through education and relationships and the way that you're reared, but the level of resilience that you got to learn to have if you're going to be successful in life. So more than any singular project I'm most proud of, I'm proud of my nature and my capacity to get up and fight another day when life hits hard. Hey, so Donald, as we kind of wind the show up, I want to ask you to tell me what do you ultimately want your legacy to be? That's an excellent question. I just want to be known uh, as a man who mastered three particular what we call domains in life, life, leadership and legacy. My life domain is I've mastered my money. I've mastered my health and wellness. I've mastered my sense of fun and enjoyment. We're probably one of the only organizations in the country that actually has a fun coach. We teach men how to actually have fun because many of us uh, simply don't know how to have fun. We get locked in the work world and and family world and we forget the importance of having fun. I want to master leadership as a husband. I want to master leadership as a father. I mastered what it meant to be a son uh, to my mom, who I was privileged enough to go home and take care of her during the last months of her life. I held her hand and kissed her forehead when she took her last breath. I want to master this sense of business. I want to grow and expand an empire that makes it possible for me to hire other black men that no one else wants to give a chance. I want to master a sense of com- my responsibility to the community. Don, I, and Don, I hate to uh, and, I hate to interrupt you, but we're, we're running out of time on the show. But I, I want to thank you for uh, taking time to join me. It, you had an excellent interview. I enjoyed the inspiration to my viewers. I want to thank you for watching this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.